Grace and peace to you this morning. It is good to be together in worship today. As we gather, I invite you to take two or three deep breaths, just a chance to center and ground yourself in this place and in this space. Let us now prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Good morning. We're going to do something a little different today. You are invited to remain seated for the call of worship. The spoken lines will be interspersed with singing, so we will pause after each line. Following Jesus is difficult. So many things have laid claim to our lives. Would I have answered when you called, come follow, follow me? Would I at once have left behind both work and family? Or would the old familiar round have held me by its claim and kept the spark within my heart from bursting into flame? We often don't know if we can let go and truly follow him. Would I have followed where you led through ancient Galilee on roads unknown by ways untried beyond security? Or would I soon have hurried back where home and comfort drew? Where truth you taught would not disturb the ordered world I knew. God, God speaks, speaks to our spirits, encouraging us to freely follow. O oh Christ, I cannot search my heart through all its tangled ways. Nor can I with a certain mind my steadfastness appraise. I only pray that when you call, come follow, follow me. You'll give me strength beyond my own to follow faithfully. May we be dependable disciples, joyfully proclaiming God's transforming power and love. Standing or sitting, let us now join together in our opening hymn, number 720.
You may be seated. I do want to welcome you here to worship at Westminster. If you're visiting with us, a special welcome to you. If this is your first time back in a while, welcome. I want to invite you after worship out to our patio area. We have coffee and tea and some snacks and especially a chance to get to know each other. While you're out there, I invite you to seek out someone that you haven't yet met and introduce yourself. On that note, for the last many weeks, we've been having a QR code in the bulletin, um, a way if you're new uh, to help us connect with you. If you're not new, a way to offer um, your prayers or anything else you want Rob and me to know. Um, I will say not a lot of you have used this, which is fine. Um, it was an experiment, um, but many of you have said you actually miss the pew pads that we pass because that helps you see who's sitting near and around you. So I do invite you during our offering time, if you're sitting here in the middle, to grab the pew pad, fill it out, pass it down, pass it back. It is a nice way to see the names of people who are sitting in the same pew as you. So with that, let's join together in our community prayer. Let us pray. Merciful God, we know... Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, know that God does love each one of us unconditionally. So may that wonderful gift of God's love and God's forgiveness flow through you always. Amen. So as we continue in our time of prayer, we come to our time of joys and concerns, which is your chance to share what is on your heart and mind today. Um, and I'll kick us off. Certainly a lot to pray about always, but it feels like maybe even more to pray about today. Um, I just have a couple things. First, um, I'm aware that this is the last Sunday of June, which means it's the last Sunday of Pride Month. Um, the Pride Parade is happening, I don't know, about 20 minutes, I think, in San Francisco. And I know we actually have a couple of congregants that are going to be marching in the parade with the Reverend Janie Spar. So we certainly hold them in our prayers. I simply offer a joy that this is a congregation that is so welcoming and affirming and including of the LGBTQ community. I also recognize that we actually don't have many in the LGBT community that are a part of our congregation. And I realize that the church has often been a place of a lot of pain, a lot of challenge for LGBTQ people, and just invite us to consider how we may just continue to expand and offer our welcome and our inclusion of all. Uh, second, as we are in a time of prayer, I feel like we have to mention the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe versus Wade. 
I've always, already had several of you talk to me about it. I know that you know, this is a congregation that has a lot of different opinions and emotions and feelings about that decision. Um, and what I wanted to offer to you today is simply um, a few thoughts from the National Presbyterian Church. Um, so the national body of the PCUSA meets every other year in what's called the General Assembly. Lay and clergy delegates gather together to vote on various motions and initiatives. And the GA just so happens to be meeting right now. Um, so with the decision on Friday, there's been a lot coming out of the GA um, about that decision. Um, um, first of all, remembering back the GA in 2012, um, when that General Assembly um, passed an affirmation that really affirmed and celebrated a woman's right to choose what she does with her body. And then at this GA, um, the Health, Safety, and Benefits Committee has actually voted on two different items, approved two different items, basically reaffirming um, that motion in 2012. One of the motions is a resolution on reproductive justice, the other motion is on affirming reproductive justice. And that's really how the National Presbyterian Church has been framing this, reproductive justice, uh, with a lot of recognition um, that the decision on Friday is really going to affect likely negatively those in lower income communities. And the church really calling on us to think about you know, how we what we do about that. So I just want to read to you just a little bit of what's come out of the National Church and the General Assembly. And it says, We have long held God, is, God alone is the Lord of the conscience and has endowed all humans with the moral agency to make choices. This is no less true for those making decisions about whether and when to have children. The overturning of Roe versus Wade will have drastic negative impacts on individuals around the nation with the greatest burden falling on low-income communities. The Presbyterian Church celebrates the diversity of all genders and recognizes that access to full reproductive health care is a right deserved by anyone who bears children. Bodily autonomy is a basic human right that cannot be silenced nor legislated away. We stand with our General Assembly and our fundamental belief in God's sovereignty. We must never forget that as a people of God, we are called to speak for justice and stand with the oppressed. This is an opportunity to do so for all who are once again marginalized in our community and in our country. So as I said, I realize there are a lot of ideas, opinions, emotions just in this Westminster community. And that's actually something I really adore about this community is that we are allowed to have our differing opinions and emotions. However, I did think it important to offer this from our national body and certainly just to hold our country in prayer. So that's what's on my heart and mind today. Now it's your turn, your turn, our joys and concerns. Uh, what do you have to share with us, with the gathered body? Yes, Denny. Right, yeah. 
Yeah, so, so Denny, again, lifting up, lifting up our poor communities. I also mentioned our poor communities of color. Um, yeah, death rate, death rate's higher there. Certainly, you know, very, very much echoing what, what our national body said, yes. Others, joys and concerns? What's, what's going on in your lives and your communities? Yeah, Diane. So Diane sharing a joy that she and Lee Darby are now COVID negative, which is great. And then offering continuing prayers for Lee. She has two procedures this week. So maybe she's watching at home. Lee, our prayers are with you. Absolutely. Others, yeah, Elizabeth. Don't say that to Rob. You know, he's an Indiana native. So, uh, so Elizabeth. <laughs> Rob, I hope you're not watching. Uh, <laughs> so Elizabeth sharing, sharing a joy. Her, her granddaughter finds much joy in playing volleyball and is in Indianapolis with a national volleyball tournament, which is such a joy. And I, as I mentioned, Rob, uh, we pray for him and his family. They're on a vacation this weekend, just a short vacation. He'll be back in the office tomorrow. And others? Yeah, Christina. Christina offers prayers for her cousin Kim. Uh, she had a reaction to an immunotherapy treatment that she was receiving for her cancer and is actually now on a ventilator. Um, and then prayers for Christina Werner, a Westminster member. Her mom unexpectedly died early last week. Christina was actually back visiting her parents because her dad was in poor health. Her dad is doing okay, but then her mom unexpectedly died. So a lot happening in the Werner family. We certainly hold them in prayer. Anyone else? Yeah, Barb. So Barb's praying for the passage of more gun safety laws nationally, realizing that Biden is signing something and the Supreme Court is making decisions. So just prayers for, for more safety around gun and gun violence. Yeah, Bonnie. Mm. 
Absolutely. So Bonnie's offering prayers for someone who lives with her at Villa Marin. Um, her dog was attacked at a dog park and killed. Um, so prayers for, for her, as well as prayers for the dog walker who was walking the other dog who was injured while trying to break up that fight. Yeah, absolutely. Right, let's just have a few moments of quiet. We certainly are holding a lot today, always. And then I'll lead us in the Lord's Prayer. So let us be in prayer together. Gracious God, we ask you both for your inspiration as well as your challenge. Inspire us to love, to respect, to care for one another. Challenge us to follow you, even when it is difficult. And then fill us with your compassion, O oh God, a compassion that extends to all your beloved children. And hear us now as together we share the prayer that your son taught us, saying, Our
invite my friend Andrew up here <laughs> and any other children that I may or may not see that uh, are joining us for worship today. Oh, there you are. Hello. So I have a question for you. We can do one of two things for this time. We can watch a movie which kind of makes fun of your brother at the end. Or we can, or we can talk about what you're going to do today. What would you rather do, Andrew? What's that? I don't know what that means. <laughs> What'd you the video? Okay. So, as you know, a couple weeks ago, some of our middle school guys and one of our leaders were able to return to uh, Santa Cruz. And when we did, we got some footage of all the adventures. So, we want to show it to you, show you some of what happened there. And this is, well, let me see if I can make sure that our sound is working correctly here first. Let's see. Here, I'm going to move this out of your way so we can all see. Okay.
So we had a lot of adventures, as you can see there. I almost threw up in Santa Cruz on a, on a ride at the boardwalk. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, when they start spinning you, geez. And I gotta wonder, do, do you practice throwing an egg at home at your house? Because we had, none of us had ever seen anything like that. You're, how far you, your brother and Todd could throw an egg without it breaking was kind of magical. It's a hidden, hidden talent. No, it wasn't. No, no. We did have egg in the hair. I did not catch that. Uh, like many other things, we weren't able to catch. For all of you who weren't able to get everything on videos, you know, uh, we have a job to do while we're there, for one. It's probably the biggest reason. But we had a lot of great fun. We got to serve uh, some of the kids at the Boys and Girls Club who just have, some of them have more needs than we do. And we got, if you saw us at a farm, that was a farm that's actually run by people who don't have homes. And it's a way for them to have a job. And we got to work alongside them, picking strawberries and weeding carrots and, and uh, liberating crops, if you will, and uh, liberating gophers, which is another thing that we did not get on tape, probably fortunately. But one of the neat things, and this does kind of tie into what you're going to talk about today, is we had to leave to go there. We had to leave here and leave our friends and our families for a short bit to go somewhere and see what was going to happen. And in a weird way, where all this started, even before Jesus started with a guy who left his family and things and many of his friends to kind of start over and start something new. So do you know who that might be? Well, we're going to find out <laughs> in a couple minutes. And uh, we're going to follow Ben out of here. And then we'll find out who it was that started all things by a new journey, leaving everything behind. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. Our first scripture reading this morning is Psalm 16. Listen for how the Spirit speaks to you through these words. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble, in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me. Because God is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol or let your faithful ones see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. 
In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. God. Our second passage this morning is from the Gospel according to Luke. I invite you to continue to listen for what the Spirit might be saying to you. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. So I don't know if any of you have heard of the author Adrian Plass. He's a British author um, known for writing satire with a Christian theme. Very interesting combination. So I wanted to share for you today part of his poem called When I Became a Christian. When I became a Christian, I said, Lord, now fill me in. Tell me what I'll suffer in this world of shame and sin. The Lord said, your body may be killed and left to rot and stink. Do you still want to follow me? I said, amen, I think. I think amen, amen, I think, I think I say amen. I'm not completely sure. Can you just run through that again? You say, my body may be killed and left to rot and stink. Well, yes, that sounds terrific, Lord. I say, amen, I think. But Lord, there must be other ways to follow you, I said. I really would prefer to end up dying in my bed. Well, yes, the Lord said, you could put up with the sneers and scorn and spit. Do you still want to follow me? I said, amen, a bit, a bit, amen, amen, a bit, a bit, I say, amen. I'm not entirely sure, can we just run through that again? You say, I could put up with sneers and also scorn and spit. Well, yes, I've made up my mind, and I say, amen, a bit. Well, I sat back and thought a while and tried a different ploy. Now, Lord, I said, the good book says that Christians live in joy. That's true, the Lord said. You need the joy. 
to bear the pain and sorrow. So do you want to follow me? I said, amen. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, Lord, I'll say it then. That's when I'll say amen. I need to get it clear. Can I just run through that again? You say that I will need the joy to bear the pain and sorrow. Well, yes, I think I've got it straight. I'll say amen tomorrow. So the poem actually goes on from there, but I think you get the point. It actually reminds me of another story of a young child whose mother was teaching him to pray some sort of rote prayer lines, and he was doing fine until he got to the part where it said, Lord, I surrender everything to thee, everything I own. And at that point, the child stopped and he whispers, except my baby rabbit, which makes me think that we all have our baby rabbits, right? You know, yes, in some form or another, we are ready to follow Jesus. I hope that's at least part of the reason we've gathered here today. But it's a whole other thing to think about surrendering all or giving all of oneself and one's life to following Jesus. I think it's a little bit more easy when it's convenient, right? When it fits into our already scheduled daily routines, when it's not too disruptive. Yes, I'll follow you, Jesus. I think a bit tomorrow. And this is not just a 21st century phenomenon. But we heard it in the gospel story today. Jesus is talking to some possible followers, and they're ready. They're ready to go, except they have a few things they need to take care of first. One needs to go bury his father. The other wants to go say farewell to those at home. To me, those seem like fairly reasonable requests, right? It's important to sort of take care of business, tie up the loose ends before you then give your whole self to following Jesus. Jesus, however, is not so sure that those seem like reasonable requests. You know, we heard his responses, right? Let the dead bury their own dead. And then he also said to the one who wanted to say farewell, no one who looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Gee whiz, Jesus, you're sounding a little bit unreasonable here. Now, to be fair to Jesus, I'm guessing he may have been in a bit of a bad mood in this conversation. Because did you hear what came right before that, right? He had been refused in a Samaritan village that he was trying to visit. And when they refused him, His disciples thought the best response to that was to command fire to come down from heaven and consume the villagers. Of course, that's what they thought would be best, right? Because everything that Jesus has been preaching and teaching up to this point, you know, things like love your enemies, uh, the least of these shall be the greatest, the importance of forgiveness. Certainly, all of these lessons of course point to Jesus wanting fire to consume the village. It's like, come on, disciples, get with the program. You know, that is not the way of Jesus. So Jesus comes fresh from rebuking them to encountering these excuse-filled would-be followers. 
I can just imagine him thinking, you know, first my disciples want to command fire to come down from heaven. Now these people can't figure out how to put the kingdom of God first. Is anyone listening to a word I have been saying? Now let's be clear, that's a challenging word, right? I don't want to leave my family behind in order to follow Jesus. You know, I want to be able to bury the dead. And I think one of the many tragedies to come out of the pandemic was the fact that we could not have in-person memorial services. That was hard. It's so important to have that ritual together, to gather, to remember and celebrate one who has died. I don't want to have to give that up. So I must admit that I approach this passage with some struggle. It's a challenge. You know, what exactly is Jesus asking of us? So I was doing a lot of reading this week about this passage, and I came across something from a pastor named Bruce Epperly, and I really appreciated what he had to say about this. And he starts as a pastor, as one who has led scores of memorial services, Jesus' words are challenging ones. No kidding. Our commitments are important, and we need to affirm our responsibilities to our families and to our loved ones. The realm of God is found in our everyday relationships of fidelity and support and healing. We love God by loving those around us. Still, we must accept the uneasy conscience that Jesus provokes even as we take care of our children or our parents or go to work on a daily basis. We can't take the bite out of Jesus' words. We need to continually ask ourselves as we check our bank accounts, as we drive children to school, pick up grandchildren, are we looking beyond our own self-interest? Do we see God's way of life? in our way of life. We need to be willing to adjust our course, to be faithful in our time and place to God's ways. I really like how Epperly recognizes the importance of our commitments. I mean, let's just be honest with ourselves. I'm guessing that most of us aren't going to give up everything in order to follow Jesus. And really, nor should we. You know, we shouldn't give up those commitments that are meaningful, that are holy to us, you know, including our important relationships. However, you know, Jesus' words do encourage us, maybe even command us, to take a look at our priorities. You know, Epperly tells us, don't take the bite out of Jesus' words, because they're strong words, you know. In this room, maybe we won't surrender all for Jesus, but we certainly can make sure our lives are ones of honor and of service all of the time. You know, when we spend time with our families, when we bury our loved ones, are we doing that in a way that honors and serves God? When we go to work, when we do chores at our house, are we doing that in a way that honors and serves God? I'm reminded of the words of the psalmist that we heard this morning. The psalmist who reminded us that we need to make sure that God is always before us, 
that God is always at our right hand, the psalmist said. And because Jesus is very clear, there's no room for doubt or any wiggle room here. You know, Jesus says, we are to put God first in our lives. Now for me, that falls in the category of easy to say, harder to do. Um, I am one who is very certain that I know best what needs to happen in my life. Okay? I know better than other people, and often I do believe I know better than God. So for me, a lot of this is about humility. It's about realizing that maybe I'm not the one who knows best. You know, that I need to find that humility to let go of control, to really allow God to infiltrate, to be a part of all areas of my life. You know, that's, that's my journey. Your journey may be different. But because of that, I listened with great interest a couple of weeks ago to a podcast. It's, the podcast is titled, We Can Do Hard Things. And the guest on the podcast was Elizabeth Gilbert. She's the author of Eat, Pray, Love and a bunch of other books. Now, I should say, before talking about podcasts makes me sound super intellectual, I actually rarely listen to podcasts. It's not a medium that I like. My wife, Cammie, listens to them pretty regularly. And she heard this podcast, and she's actually the one that recommended it to me, thinking that it would be meaningful for me. She was right. All right? So I want to share with you just a little bit of what Liz Gilbert says. She was, in this particular episode, she was sharing about one of her daily spiritual practices. And she says what she does almost every day is she asks God this question. Dear God, what would you have me know today? After she asks the question, she spends some time listening to God. And then, as an author, she writes down God's response to her. So she has all of these written responses from God, day after day, to this question, what would you have me know today? So on this particular podcast, she shared God's answer from that morning. And this is what God told her. My love, I would have you know humility. Imagine that. I want you to know the sweetness and the deep, all-encompassing relief that humility will bring to your life. Look how much your life has improved by handing over so much of it to me already. But every single aspect of your life that you still hold back from me because you do not trust me or thinking in your ignorance and in your self-importance that you need to handle it, that you need to control it, fix it, manage it, solve it, understand it. Everywhere that you are still doing that, you are experiencing strain and suffering and stress. Ask me to do things for you. That is what humility means. Ask me to do your family for you. Just say, you do it, I don't know how. Say, here God, you take it, and I will. Ask me to write your book for you. Try it, I'll do it. Ask me to do your yoga for you. Ask me to take walks for you. Ask me to schedule your life for you. Let me arrange your life. Pause, listen for me, and let me do it. 
I don't want you to miss this experience of letting go into love and trust. This is what I would have you know, my love, more God, less Liz. That's the equation for perfect peace. You've worked too hard your whole life, my love. Stop working so hard. Stop trying. Let me do more things. Let me do everything. Trust me completely. Say, here, God, you do it. Let me show you how much I love you when you give your whole will and your whole life to me. Let me show you how beautiful humility is. Stop knowing anything except this. And accept this. You are mine, and I am you. And I love you. So I think back to Jesus' words in this passage. And they may sound harsh, but I truly think they are spoken out of love. Right? Don't worry about those things. Follow me and let me do the worrying for you. you know, put God first in your life and see how everything else falls into place after that. Now, I'm a realist. I know it's not easy. I know it's challenging. I know that life is a mess a lot of the time. But it is less messy when we're putting God first. And I can't help but think about those final words of the psalmist, that before us, God puts the path of life. And when we follow that path, there is fullness of joy. And God's right hand are pleasures forevermore. And it is my hope, my prayer, that that is something that each of us knows and experiences always. So speaking of the psalm, psalms were written to be sung, not spoken. So I want us to do a little singing of Psalm 16. I think maybe when we sing some of it, we experience it in a different way. So I invite you to open your hymnals to number 810. We're going to sing the first, second, and fifth verses. Just invite you to experience this psalm as a song.
Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to invite Karen Halsey up. She has a special announcement for us. While she's headed this way, just highlighting that uh, Mary Beth, after worship, is uh, hosting a planning discussion about those who might be interested in a singles ministry, a new outreach of this church. Um, you're welcome to join her in the library. I want you to go there. Um, grab a cup of coffee, maybe, and then join in the library. Um, and then also a reminder, next Sunday is the first Sunday of the month where we put a special emphasis on collecting diapers that we then um, take to the Canal Alliance. Um, so some of you bring diapers all the time, which is great. Uh, if you feel like uh, picking some up next time you're at the store, bringing them next Sunday, that would be much appreciated. Karen. Hi, um, I'm the elder leading our community communications committee. And our task is to really share the news of who we are, what we do, uh, how we feel about things, uh, the activities that go on here with the greater community, with individuals and families outside of the church. So one way uh, we're doing this is we're trying to increase our reviews on Google and Yelp. We've been told that younger families really check out churches when they're doing their church shopping through these reviews. So we have a little contest and uh, we asked people to submit reviews. This was going on for the last two months and then I wrote down the names of people who did it and we're going to draw a name today um, and offer that person a gift certificate of $50 to book passage. So we started out on Google reviews probably a year ago. We had maybe five or so, and now we're up to 21, which is really good for a church in Marin. We're hoping to get up higher, so please feel free to put a review on Google. On Yelp, we're up to eight, but we had 10 more submissions. But Yelp has kind of a crazy algorithm, and they didn't accept them all. So we'll figure out what to do with all those great reviews, maybe put them on our website or something. So without any further ado, I will announce the winner of our first review contest, and it's Jill Abada. So I'll be sending her an email with the gift certificate. Thanks. And put a review out there. Yeah. The contest is over, but the reviews are still welcome. So I, think, uh, I, I invite you now to stand as you are comfortable for our closing hymn. We're going to sing verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2 of number 837.
And now as you go from this place, know that the love of God, who is our creator, Jesus Christ, our redeemer, the Holy Spirit, our sustainer, goes with you now and always. Amen.